Hello and welcome to Secondhand Film Critics, your favorite source for mildly pretentious, semi-uneducated, and highly unqualified opinions on movies. I am Noah, and as always, I am joined by my co-host, Kayla! We're back for Lost Weekend, episode two. Last episode uh, was very fun. We did some on-the-floor segments. We got to hear from the directors of both uh, Eternity of You and Me, as well as the stylist. And this episode is going to be pretty similar. We have some more thoughts from the floor to share, as well as another uh, film showcase and an interview with the filmmakers. So it's going to be a pretty fun time. Uh, I think the listeners are in for a treat. Uh, <laughs> I, didn't, <laughs> no I, I, was trying to, I was trying to think if there was like a joke I could make. Yeah. Uh, but a my, treat or a my trick. Brain, I... it, is Octo- it is October. Yeah. So they're in for a trick or a treat. Uh, yeah, mm, good one. Mm-hmm, that was good. Mm-hmm. I I unfortunately yeah, am just... not. Improv is not my specialty. <laughs> I have to plan my jokes out ahead of time. Yeah. Yeah. Unlike uh, who we're going to be talking to in the interview yes. today. Who, they, they are much funnier than we are. They um, make us sound funny. <laughs> you know, I feel That's like. That's what I love re- about. Yeah. Uh, when you talk to funny people, like who are just genuinely the funniest people, basically, they make you feel funny too, because yeah. they just elevate the funniness that is going yes. on, and so suddenly you become funny, and then it's like, man, I wish I was this funny all the time. All the time. <laughs> Yeah, it's like I can riff with other people or like I'll say something and then they'll turn it into a better joke. But then it still makes me feel like I kind of came up with something, Mm, you know? Yeah. It just is like it's really a great motivator for me. Yeah. Um, That's why we do the Hallmark episodes with Peter because he's a lot funnier than us. Yeah, he makes us feel funny. Our podcast is a lot of it is just inviting people on who are better at things than we are yes and then it just kind of really we makes just us ride feel, their really cool. <laughs> ride their ladder to the top we'll sit on their coattails bop, and we say, bop 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 bop, bop, bop to, to the top, the top. <laughs> slip and slide and ride that rhythm wow um great we should so probably get into the segment though. we should get going yeah before we lose our weekend um before we lose oh, our man. episode oh boy joke. uh so let's go on the floor at lost weekend and hear what some of the attendees had to say about the movies they saw sal saying thanks to andy and everyone else who put together lost weekend it's uh, always a great time i think so far my favorite movie has been uh, beyond the infinite two minutes um it was it was very clever um, funny. It really was amazing. And if you like sci-fi and you like sort of time travel kind of movies, it, um, it's, it's really well done. Uh, very well done. And the, the, the filming is just amazing. It's shot in one take, from my understanding. Certainly looks like it, but they seamlessly um, put in themselves again on video. I, I would definitely recommend it because after a certain point, uh, you laugh at the humor of the time travel, and at the same time, the journey that everyone is going through. You lose tr- you lose sight of where you are in this storyline, and it just sort of all becomes the present, even though everything is happening both simultaneously in the past and in the future. Last night, I stayed for the midnight showing of Resurrection. Oh, yes. And um, it was fascinating. I couldn't quite tell in the end what was going on, but that was probably the point. <laughs> in the end, it left uh, open questions, and I think that was probably part of why it was just strange. So, uh, Baby Assassins. Okay, what did you think of that one? I, I liked it. Uh, it had pacing issues for me, but I think that was because the trailer uh, did kind of present it as a full-on action movie, and that's not really what it was. Uh, it had great action, and the... The last thing was impressive, and the hand-to-hand combat sequence was one of the most amazing I've seen uh, on film. Um, that was very fast-paced and very well done. But in the end, it's about uh, a movie with about two teenage women trying to make it. <laughs> so that was also that was Yeah, it was an interesting blend that they were trying to hit with 
it felt like um, I thought it would work better as like a sitcom, like of them living together and like going and fighting crime, different person each episode. Because that was my favorite part, was the two of them right? Um, and their dynamic, as well as the action, which was awesome. Yeah, I think once I realized that it wasn't going to be a full-on action film, uh, it, I was focusing on the, on the two ladies, uh, and that was, that was good. But uh, you're right, I think as a sitcom, that would be very, very, that'd be very good. Uh, Under the Open Sky was my favorite so far of all the films I've seen. It was really good, and I think for me... What gets me up there and liking movies is like, oh, how close am I coming to crying? And I like teared up and shed a tear um, for this one. I think obviously it's very powerful just within any society to talk about incarceration and reentry. Um, I'd personally volunteered in college some on like reentry preparation stuff uh, in correctional facilities. So that was something that hit home a little bit and to see how much of a struggle that can be and how much small moments mean a lot when they're built up over time, both negative and positive for someone working on that alone and to navigate a system like a welfare system. Uh, And then Baby Assassins coming right off of that, it was like satirical Yakuza stuff, which was not the film I wanted to see right after that. Most of the time I'm used to seeing like certain blood and FX stuff um, in like YouTube videos like it was in the movie, and I was like, oh, we're doing this in this movie. Uh, But it was fun. Uh, Then I saw Fire of Love, which was, I saw a review on Letterboxd that was exactly how I felt, and it was like, you know, the visuals and the story was really cool. I just wish the narrator would kind of shut up and stop talking about these, like, existential questions. Um, And that's how I felt. Um, But volcanoes are so cool. And the footage they had was so awesome, and they had a great eye for how to capture humans within the environment that they were, you know, in. Um, and I take a lot of photos, and so I really appreciated that. But then it was, like, the little animated bits in between, and the narrator was really present in, like, directing the film. And they did a good job having the recordings from the people themselves uh, just kind of over footage and let that talk. Um, but I'd wish they'd maybe done that a little bit more. Thank you to all those lovely people who shared their thoughts. We love to hear from the people. We're a very, uh, I, what's, I don't know what the word is. We're just going to move on um, to our local business spot for this episode. So again, we we're trying to highlight some of the local businesses that help make this festival a possibility. And we love supporting local businesses. Uh, so we're going to hear right now from the comic book shop Four Color Fantasies about something, some stuff about their business and just why they partnered with Lost Weekend. Uh, my name is Eric C. Jones, and I'm the manager at Four Color Fantasies in Winchester, Virginia. Cool. And if you want to talk about kind of why you partner with Lost Weekend, what sure. you guys sell. Um, we're the... City's only comic shop at the moment. Uh, we've been in business since 1987. Uh, same owner the entire time. I've been shopping there since I was 11, and I'm 38. Uh, so it's the store's all about community. Uh, we have a pretty awesome back issue selection, which a lot of shops don't have anymore. We can get just about anything. Um, but the community's a big part of why we do Lost Weekend. Uh, I think it's important to partner with other businesses in the community, and especially what Andy does here at Lost Weekend, always donating to something good, something cool. Uh, and we like being a part of it. So. And do you want to talk about any of the movies that you've seen uh, sure. this weekend, uh, if you've seen any? I loved, and in terms of you and me, loved that. I thought that was amazing. I loved Alien on stage. Uh, I thought that was really, ama- really, really good. RRR blew my socks off. Uh, I, I live out in the woods, so I, I can't stream anything, so I haven't seen it on Netflix. So being able, to, I've been wanting to see it, so being able to see it on the big screen was, was tremendous. Um, Under the Open Sky I loved. Uh, I love Japanese movies anyway. The time travel one, again, I'm terrible with names. The one with the, the TV oh, that sees um, two minutes in the future. Beyond the Infinite Two Minutes? Yes. I God, think that's what thank it you. is. You're a I lifesaver. didn't see that one. It was but... fantastic. Uh, that was great. Um, what did I see today? Pez Outlaw was fantastic. I didn't see any that I didn't like. So That's uh, awesome. That's yeah. always a win. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, I feel I can't sit for too long. Like, if I watch two hours of TV at home, I'm like, I'm wasting my day. But here, I've, I was okay with it. So. Yeah, cool. <laughs> 
what about our shop? I think we're great. I think we have a great community. There are people that have been shopping there since 1987. That's um, awesome. We do an awesome charity every year called FCF Covers Literacy, where we get artists from around the world to do blank sketch covers, and all the proceeds go to the literacy volunteers of the Winchester area. We've raised $20,000 in four years. We've had Eisner winners, uh, Harvey winners. Um, we had a, a Thomas Lennon from Reno 911 did a cover once. I think I, we've had one somebody from every country except for Asia and Africa. So I just need those two. But we've we're already getting ready for next year's. It runs every April. Uh, that's my favorite thing that we do. So. Awesome. <laughs> and if you just want to plug like where people could find you, sure. like maybe on social media, if you're on Facebook, Absolutely. whatever. Uh, Facebook's our main one. Uh, at Facebook.com slash FCF Comics. I think we're just four color fantasies, all one lowercase on Instagram and FCF Comics on Twitter. And we're the bright blue house on Weems Lane. You cannot miss us. Yeah, so thanks to Four Color Fantasies uh, for chatting with us on the floor last weekend. Make sure if you're local to Winchester, you check them out. Uh, they're very cool. And uh, Noah, have you? Yeah. do you read comic books? I would lie and say I, I do, but I don't. I don't think I've ever really read like a real comic book like ever. I've read like graphic novels. I've read never, graphic novels. Like, like I've just never got into co the comic book thing. I I'm not maybe I would 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 be something I like. I just think I missed the boat. I missed the boat on it. Four color fantasies is awesome because I feel like if I can share my own personal opinions about this business okay. here, I yeah, this is this is not reflect the views of your employer. <laughs> <laughs> I have not read comic books before because I feel like it's a very intimidating. Yeah, genre it's very elitist. of stuff to get well yes uh, well i well, i wasn't meaning it like that i was meaning oh, okay. like but yes that is true i feel like there is a lot of gatekeeping in com right. comic books but i just feel like it's very overwhelming like you don't really know yeah. where to start so if i was like hey i want to read you know some batman and robin comic books with robin in them I would not have any idea where to start. No, and yeah. so I've always I'd probably been start like, like in the uh, middle of a series or something. Like, yeah, and then someone right. uh, you know on Twitter would tell me that I'm wrong and dumb. This is the worst one. It. I can't believe you um, even started with this run. But what I was gonna say is, after talking to Eric from Four Color Fantasies, I felt like I could walk into their store mm. and they would actually wow. genuinely like help me help. like i felt like it broke down all the like things i had oh, in my head about that. it when i talked to him and i was like huh maybe i will finally start right. reading some dick grayson uh right. comic books that i have wanted to read before let's go to a quick ad break uh and when we come back uh we'll be talking about new york's worst landlords We're back. And this is our film showcase segment of the of the pod where we we talk a little bit about the movie that you're about to hear from the the creators of. That sentence didn't really work very well. But yeah, we'll just share a little about the movie because I think sometimes that's helpful going into an interview just to get a sense of what the movie is about and what they're creating and then when you hear from them, hopefully that'll even deepen your appreciation and make you want to seek it out because this is a very accessible film because it's actually currently a three-part series that is on youtube forever wow you watch it wow youtube available on youtube for free um <laughs> and they are I, I believe making a fourth so it's like yes. it is something that is very accessible you could watch it right now in the comfort of your living well, room well finish listening to this episode first well yeah and then watch it um, yeah, I'm not. Yeah, or definitely. at least come I'm, back once you watch yeah, just, it. Yeah, just make sure we don't leave us here. Don't leave us hanging. Um, yeah. So basically, yeah, yeah. it's a documentary type, um, but leans kind of YouTube style documentary, if you know what I mean, about New like York Shane landlords. <laughs> no. Uh. <laughs> well, I just I was just putting in a voice of like something the listener uh, might like say. Shane like Dawson. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no no listener is thinking that i hope not if you're a shane dawson fan we, we don't want you um well i'm just saying like that's i think 
of what you think about with YouTube documentary. Yes, it is. You know. Yeah, I would. I would have said like, who would I have said like Casey Neistat or something? Like I know Casey his Neistat is more vlog vibes, but like he, 2018 Casey Neistat vibes. Yeah, because he did yeah. content similar to this, like with the quick editing duo. Yeah. No, these guys are way better than Casey Neistat. So Jeff, if you're listening, yeah, they, you're, they don't support. Casey, they, they're we're not, not. We're yeah, not. They're not Blue Lives Matter. Yeah, so. we're. <laughs> Casey Neistat is a wild guy. Yes, wild. Uh, not a fan of him either. So anyway, <laughs> sorry. Back to the main point. The... Not a nice stand. <laughs> <laughs> This uh, movie is about hmm. the list that was released in the New York, no, New York Times? No. There's a list. <laughs> oh my gosh. This is so bad. <laughs> of New York's, that's all that you need to know. There's a list of yeah. New York's worst landlords, and their goal was to expose, talk to the landlords. And so it's mm. kind of their journey of like trying to figure out if they can interview a landlord, but also talking yeah. to the tenants, learning about tenants' rights and like the housing crisis in New York and how basically these awful, terrible people um, mm. who, if you're a landlord, you're a terrible person. Not all terrible people are landlords, but all landlords are terrible people. And the Venn diagram is like that yeah <laughs> how they have like tormented these people um by not being there for them um not like actually allowing the tenants to have their own rights and so it just is this big thing and there's when you get into it it leads into stuff with evictions court and then kind of like yeah it snowballs people, the landlords trying to yeah and it's i mean it's if you don't know a lot about this, um, this is definitely a great starting point because um, yeah. it's not just New York. While this does focus on these specific buildings in New York that are owned by um, a few of the top land worst landlords, like this is probably happening in your local community as well. Um, I'm sure you could talk to anyone who has had a landlord and rented from someone, and it's just everybody has had some sort of terrible experience. Um, yeah. with a landlord or are currently struggling with housing crises, especially now, like after COVID and inflation and all that. It just is, it's hard mm. out there and landlords suck and make it so much worse um, than it should be uh, for people just trying to live in a safe and comfortable home. If you're mm. like me, I love my home. I am the Bilbo Baggins of my life (laughs) (laughs) the Bilbo Baggins of your life yeah yeah I was reading The Hobbit Hobbit recently and literally like every time Bilbo said anything I was like wow that's so me because he would be like (laughs) wow so real he's on this adventure and it would be like uh, Bilbo wished that he was at home in front of his warm fire eating a loaf of bread and I'm like mm, me. that sounds yep. great <laughs> that is, I I also wish that all the time yeah always every day um yeah this is a really interesting documentary like you said I think it is a good entry point into the subject and it's cool because like you said they definitely start with that intention of like contacting all the landlords but with documentaries like this, I think it's cool to see how it progresses and turns into something maybe that they weren't expecting it to turn into when it first started. Because it's like a very it's it goes through like at least a year, maybe two years. So it's a longer period of time and you kind of see their journey as mm-hmm. they are trying to get these interviews and learning more about the landlords and the tenants, um, the landlords, the tenants, the people that live there like this. It's. It is an interesting evolution throughout the three parts. Um, and it's a very different type of documentary than the one we talked about last episode, An Eternity of You and Me. Uh, so I think it's a good example of like how many, just a lot of the documentaries that Lost Weekend, like how many different things you can do with a documentary. Like it doesn't just have to be um, a Ken Burns style documentary or just like uh talking heads like there's so many different things you can do with a documentary in ways to tell the story um yeah yeah. and this one um is also interesting since it is formatted for youtube 
Um, So when you watch it, if you're someone who, like me, spends a lot of time on YouTube, uh, it does have a very... (laughs) (laughs) It's a very specific, um, like, editing style. uh, Mm. And, you know, Jeff does the style very well for this specific YouTube style, which is also interesting. It was very interesting... Watching it on a big screen, because for me, when I watch these types of videos, I usually put them on when I am doing something else. So, like, if I'm doing chores, like laundry and stuff, I'll usually put on a YouTube video like this, um, because I'm like, oh, yeah, I don't want to watch a movie right now, but I want to watch something and I don't want to listen to a podcast. So I'll put on a YouTube video that is kind of this documentary style. So it was very interesting actually sitting in a theater and watching it on the big screen like yeah. in that setting because it just was so weird and like is right. this am I really watching a YouTube video? Like it just was so I don't know if yeah. you had that experience. It was very was interesting. Yeah. I think it was cuz it's like something that was created for a, a singular viewing or a small viewing. And it's funny to, like, see how the jokes land, YouTube-style jokes land, and, like, hearing crowds laugh at them because it's just such a different feeling than, like, a studio comedy. Um, shows a lot how comedy works and how the, it's just, like, you get used to seeing a certain type of comedy and content in one format, and so it's just weird to see it in the other. Yeah, you said, Jeff, It's we haven't even said, though, yeah, this is um, Jeff Seal and then also Nick and Chris Libby, so they three of them were at the festival we're about to have an interview with them and they were the makers of this documentary so it's really just them three jeff is in front of the camera directing the camera and then the libby brothers are behind the camera doing sound photography things like that and then they're all kind of behind the scenes working uh directing how all of it's gonna go like i said it's really interesting to see how it evolves because it's like again you start with one idea and then situations happen things don't go the way you think they do and then by the end of that show the third part it's like a different documentary than i think they probably would have expected to have made um so yeah let's just go right into the interview then um this is a really fun interview hope you guys enjoy it this is an interview with jeff seal and the libby brothers about new york's worst landlords all right i'm chris and this is my voice and uh i was i shot the New York's first landlords. My name is Nick Libby. I uh, help pr- produce and uh, I covered sound on New York's first landlords. I'm Jeff, and I directed uh, New York's worst landlords. And this is my voice. Whoop whoop. That's Andy. <laughs> Probably does that in in every one. Has a whoop whoop whoop. Maybe yeah, not. I yes. think it's it's mandatory actually. We it need is. them in the in the interviews to yeah. make them legitimate. Um, great. So our first question always, whenever we have a guest on is what is the first movie that you guys saw in a theater? Cause we think that that's always a fun icebreaker kind of thinking back. I was trying to remember that the other day when I was listening to, I forget what it was, but it was maybe when I was listening to the, um, blank check podcast, what is the first movie? Oh my God. I mean, I couldn't remember what the absolute first one is. I mean, I remember... God, I mean, I remember seeing uh, a revival of uh, Meet Me in St. Louis. I remember seeing Star Trek, I think it was four. It's the one where Spock um, swims in the aquarium with a whale. I remember, like, going to Westwood. I grew up in in Los Angeles, and, like, there was a line to see it. We, like, waited in the line to see it. But I don't think either of those two are my first. I'm going to keep thinking about it. Do you guys know your first? I don't know. I, my brain immediately went to Jack Frost, that that movie. With Michael Keaton? I think Michael Keaton. But yeah. I actually think that was the first one I, like, bought. Okay. But I can't – I don't yeah. remember which one. I remember that movie. Otherwise, like, I want to th- – I don't know, like, Home Alone. But I also don't – I'm just – I think my brain is just grabbing movies. From, right, and yeah, I'm, from your childhood. I just remember going to Titanic with my family and my sisters telling me to cover my eyes during the <laughs> – 
new team. That's funny. This is an awkward memory. <laughs> yeah. The first <laughs> first theater that memory. Your question. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, Great. No. Oh, totally. Actually, I just, this is how old I am. I saw Ghostbusters in the theater, but I was so young that I got really scared and I had to leave the movie theater. Mm. So that's I definitely saw before those other two films, but I don't know if it was the first. I fell asleep in my first one. Which one was your first one? Over the uh, Home on the Range. Home on the Range. Which one? The animated Disney movie with talking cows. And yours was first Finding Nemo or no? No, well, Finding Nemo is one of the first ones I like remember seeing in the theater. Yeah. But the first one I saw was um, Snow Dogs. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Kuba. Yeah. Kuba. Mm Mhm. Yep. I really got to remember my absolute first film. I'm going to maybe... That's not... Yeah. yeah, it's a great question. It's not one that, like, I feel like... Like, I remember the first CD. Like, there's the things... Right. Nobody's ever asked me that one before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, nice. Yeah, so in that case, then, talking about films, what was one that was, like, impactful for you and, like, pretty much inspired you to make movies or mm. do the craft and the medium of film? That one I could... So I think for me... The Clockwork Orange were, was the first film where I was like, what the heck is this? It was like, and it was the first time I was like, I thought about like, who made this? You know, like I never would necessarily see a film and be like, who directed this? I was like, what person is responsible for this film? Because it was like, it was so different than anything I'd ever seen. And then so I went and like watched all of Kubrick's other films. So obviously I didn't see that in the movie theater. I saw that on VHS. Uh, I rented it. Or my brother was watching it with his friend and I started watching part of it, and then like I wanted to stop watching it so I could watch it from the beginning and watch the whole thing, and then I rented it. But that was the first one where I was, that then I, after that I was like, I want to be a director. So yeah, I remember uh, in eighth grade my like English teacher screened Top Gun for us, and I remember we then like broke it down by like shot lists, and like he helped like teach us like how how a story is told through like different shots and stuff. I remember being very impressed and interested in that. I know it's my chronological turn to talk. I can't think of like, so this is the, this is the, uh, the first super impactful movie. Or just like, uh, just movies that inspired you even maybe later yeah. in life. Like, I, Yeah, for some reason my brain immediately went to, and I do love this movie, although I feel like it's so cliche. The uh, Good Will Hunting was a movie that like freshman year of college I had, I didn't have TV and I didn't have like Netflix wasn't a thing yet. So I just had I had space on my desktop for like one movie on my. So every single night I would just watch like my favorite scenes from Good Will Hunting. And for me, it was just like I just never got sick of like four different scenes from it. So that's been what were the four scenes? Well, I would jump. I mean, it's like all the speeches, though, like the probably the you know, the one at the end where like Ben Affleck tells him, you know, and then like the Robin Williams one in the park. All mm. the classic ones. And the house them apples or whatever? Never not, made, no, not, not that. I like the bar scene. That's a good, Sometimes I, you I go, like the yeah, bar when scene. I, if I'm really not falling asleep at night, I'd maybe go for the bar scene, but. Nice. Yeah. Um, so in terms of this film that you guys did with New York's Worst Landlords, what drew you to this subject um, as a subject? Like what made, what made you want to make a documentary about this? Well, so we... I, well, what have we made b- before together? Because it wasn't our first project. We did like a, good question. a Gothamist video. Well, yeah, we did the Why Are You Honking? We Why Honking. So we c- basically, Chris and I have, uh, you know, a little production team going and we start working with Jeff on some smaller projects. They're all kind of New York politics related. And we we're interested in like Jeff's voice within specifically New York City and issues that were important to him. I think we just kind of we knew that housing was you know relevant and, and you know of issue. And then honestly, I I just uh, we're just constantly like I do today, like just scrolling through like the New York section of the New York Times, Gothamist, different blogs, and I just happened upon an article about the landlord watch list, which was just this like really weird, like it's a weird thing that the government that the city of New York publishes like a a list of like the hundred worst landlords is like it's just shaming people it feels very catty in like a kind of a beautiful bureaucratic way sure yeah sure. got some water supply Thank in you. it what Thank was the you. first film wow. you guys saw in a movie theater yeah movie theater um uh, it might have been the amazing spider-man 2 wow Andrew Spider-Man. That's, that's Andrew Garfield. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. That's the first that one? one? 
Yeah. Right yeah. there. You just say that because you read that on the wall. No, I, that, that was. <laughs> is that really on the wall right there? <laughs> yeah, yes. that's right there. Wow, He's that's like, iconic. Uh, like, the oh, marksman. Oh, yeah. Did you that's see it here? Reason. No. Oh, okay. I lived in uh, New York. Oh. Oh, oh, we're talking about New York nice. right now. What was your first film? <laughs> just, pick just pick one up here. Medea, yeah, a Medea Christmas. Walking with Dinosaurs 3D. Did you guys see it <laughs> together? Not even the Amazing Spider-Man 1. Yeah, yeah. It's like a whole generation just yeah, started just on Spider-Man 2. They're like, no. You don't remember. I don't remember. Fair enough. The best remembered, so that was not fair. Fair enough. Okay. Thank you guys. Thank you. Sorry, Thank you. sorry to hold Thank you up. You yeah. Uh, anyway, I just remember I saw that list and I thought it was like, what a weird thing that the government's doing uh, and releasing on an annual basis. And I sent it to Jeff and Chris and being like, hey, like, what about this? Yeah. They came to me with that idea and I was like, yes, 100%. Let's do that. Because, like, like, we were saying, we had done some other videos and like, we were like starting to sort of combine like comedy with sort of like, you know, a strong political POV. And like I had done stuff like a video about like dumpster diving for food in New York and like that would highlight food waste. And then we did like honking, which was about noise pollution. And th those are all things that like I really care about, but care about, but also wanted to like take on sort of meteor sort of things like bigger issues rather than just like honking's annoying. You know what I'm saying? So they came to me with that. And then. I think in New York in particular and, and in most cities, um, everyone has a bad landlord story. Um, and then like, you know, just sort of seeing gentrification and seeing, you know, the, the places you love leaving and like, you know, friends leaving because they just don't want to pay the rent anymore and sort of being like, who is uh, a city for, you know, like, is it just, it shouldn't be a luxury good to live in the city. It shouldn't just be for whoever can afford it. And like, you know, sometimes you talk to like pro real estate or, or I talked to a broker once when I was looking for a place and he's like, well, you know what? Not everyone can afford to live in Manhattan. It's just like, screw that. You know, like what about the people who, who have generations going back living in New York? You can't just tell them like, sorry, you can't live here because you don't make enough money. So that just really pisses me off. Um, I mean, one of many things that pissed me off. But yeah, so th that long story short, that was sort of the, the, the gist of it. It was interesting seeing it because I had read a book about Salazar's campaign. Oh, yes. Early in the spring. The by, it's, by. it's like a, a graphic novel. Yes, yes. And it was My Summer with the Socialist yes. Senator. I, I By, um... Uh, I do not remember her name. Yes, yeah. it's, um, um, I've met her. Um, she got in touch after the video came out, and she, uh, Sophia, she's uh, a really awesome cartoonist, does stuff for the New Yorker yeah, and stuff. Yeah, illustrator, and she yeah. did it, so it was from the, uh, like, almost the opposite side, because it didn't have much of the tenant's perspective. It right. was more like how their campaign, like, was kind of starting up, and then they leaped on to that right. specific topic, because it seemed, like, more important in how they wrote the bills and stuff for... Awesome. Like all the stuff that went on in Albany. So it's interesting watching this like paired with that information to be like, okay, here's the other side of like the picture. <laughs> totally, totally. Yeah, uh, I need to read that book. I was was meaning to do that and then I didn't buy. The, I need to. I'm gonna buy the book. And Sophia read that. Warren. Sophia Warren. Up. Exactly. Yeah. 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 That's real awesome. time research. Totally. Nailed it. I think at first we were just like wanting to do good cause eviction and then we're like well who's who wrote this bill and then that led us to julia salazar and and so she was really awesome and and like sp gave us a lot of time in, of her time in her office to like film stuff and like do our stupid comedy bits with us and she was like a real sport about it yeah she seems chill she's chill awesome and so yeah kind of going off of that what impact like it would you do you hope that your film has what do you hope to like accomplish with this movie from my perspective, I like part of it is, for Chris and I is like we just love Jeff's voice and his like on screen persona and humor and all of that. But then I've like come to really appreciate how important the you know issue of housing and economic inequality is. So I, I think it's for me, it was like just getting the word out basically. That and I also think it's like a lot more of a uh, it's it 
it shouldn't feel so as partisan as maybe some people might think when you start talking about you know housing as a human right and things like that my uh i'm maybe a little more centrist in some ways than jeff is but i've come to appreciate like that this is something that we should all just like i think if anyone just takes the time to see that the, these people understand the situation a little more most people would get on board with like these are people we need to be protecting and this is a, a you know a system that isn't working i think that's why you know bringing comedy into it and all of that it's like it's just a way to get people interested yeah. you know so that they can you know take their medicine right spoonful of sugar kind of thing yeah. right totally, totally, exactly. yeah well like when we first started working on it it was in 2018 and so we knew that the rent re regulation laws in New York were going to expire. And so originally we wanted to get it out before then to sort of like let people know what was at stake and like have them, you know, call their senator or like, you know, go to a rally or whatever, you know, st uh, organize with other tenants in their building. But because of like we, we didn't want to get sued, we had to like, you know, sort of step back and um, – talk to lawyers and stuff so we couldn't get it out before 2019 but like afterwards it's just sort of like shining a light on what it is you know tenants are putting up with under bad landlords and how landlords are getting away with it and you know let's not like you know let that happen again uh if you know the the rent laws are in jeopardy which might happen but that's a whole other thing and then i think for good cause of fiction the same thing we just like wanted people to see it and like call their reps and push for good cause eviction to be to get passed um it didn't pass it like for a bunch of different reasons but it still might pass and i think to me it's like it's one of those things where it's like most people that i know and there's so many people in new york who rent and if you just when you tell them the bill they're like yeah that'd be amazing we should have that and it's like but they don't even know that there's this bill that would do that and especially now after the pandemic you know, people got these pandemic deals for like really cheap. And then when their lease expired, they raised their rent like a crazy amount. And everyone's really pissed off. And everyone is like, is this legal? And it's like, yeah, it is legal. But if we were to pass this bill, that it would make it illegal. So it's just about, you know, uh, educating people about that. And then also, I didn't tell you guys about this, but I uh, ran into someone at a housing meeting I was at and, uh, She's organizing her building and she said that like they watched our video and were like super inspired by it and that like um, I think they like watched it a few times to like pump, th pump themselves up for their fight with like their landlord and everything. So that made me super happy to, to know that like it inspired people who are like organizing an entire building and, and trying to, you know, get concessions from their landlord. How do you feel like YouTube affected like as a distribution platform? Because obviously your aim was to make it for YouTube like originally. Mm -hmm. Like, do you think in the future as you make more content about this or plan to, you'll continue doing that through YouTube? Or do you think you'll try to use like, I don't know, film festivals or whatnot, like s search out other distribution? I think <laughs> for this, I was really into like putting it on YouTube out on YouTube because I just wanted as many people to see it as possible and like film festivals like this are awesome they're great but it was sort of like I wanted it to be out in the world where people could see it and hopefully have an impact um, so for something like this if it's not time sensitive maybe a film festival but if it's time sensitive I think you just want YouTube put it out anyone in the world almost can watch it even this kind of connects to what we were just talking about in terms of like the specific goal of the series and I think the challenge with the series and like when you get into you know we were affected because we were worried about getting sued and just it was like three it was like a lot to get out and was that we were chasing a timeline we were chasing like okay in 2018 something it's, I forgot all about that there's like we we're trying to chase yeah. before certain things were passed or voted on and then 2019 there all of a sudden we were trying to race before they passed those laws and we missed that because of all these just how long it takes to get everything done the right way um and so it just kept on getting pushed back and we kind of landed on where it is which I have always believed in was just like you, you don't have to get so nitty-gritty into the details on these types of things. You can just let it be a story about, you know, 
agreed effectively like it, it's helpful to tie it to a certain vote that we're trying to get across but it's basically like no matter what bills we pass in new york and elsewhere there's always going to be someone who's trying to you know squeeze as much money out of the little guy as possible and the little guy's always going to have to work twice as hard to protect themselves and i think that certainly was the story of this and for good cause and hopefully anything else we do in the future is you know celebrating the people who are not you know getting that don't have the resources to get their story out there yeah it's super stressful when you like have uh, you're trying to get the deadline of something like that and there's only three of us and so we stressed ourselves out a ton but i i still have like a like my goal my like ambitious goal is i would love to make something that actually makes a difference you know what i'm saying like that sounds so cheesy but like i really wanted like the good cause eviction bill to go a little more viral than it was and if like it would be amazing to just be like a lot of people saw it called their rep and like maybe made a difference in that actually getting passed which would i think that would be incredibly fulfilling that's still a goal that I, I would like to, 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 to do, yeah. So this is obviously set in New York City, which is Correct. so many great movies from New York City that are set in New York City. So we have a series that we do called Triple Feature where people come on the pod and they share triple features, sometimes themes, sometimes not. We were thinking we would like you guys to come up with a New York City triple feature and each of you pick a movie that you would Ooh. add to it. Sorry, so can we just define triple feature for so me? So like three movies that if you were programming them you would program them one two three right yeah wow. yeah okay i mean we could give an example like someone just did a music triple feature so they did that thing you do school of rock high fidelity and high fidelity yeah that's good and this is like new york new york city yeah so new, york new york city, city. so like whatever that feels like to you right what home alone two you're gonna do just kidding i know what chris is gonna do but you'll wish you oh did this Okay. This is stressful. Jeff goes first. You go first. No, you go first. And you then guys, Chris, I thought Chris was going to go first. Chris, what's that? Nick's going to do Manhattan. Oh, yeah. Or Woody oh, Allen. Not anymore. Not anymore. So, but you were? My bad. My what do you, bad. And, and what do you I think thought, Chris was going to do? I thought about doing that, but I, w I wouldn't have done that. because Yeah. The I literally said, I was like, what are we going to do if, if they someone say says Annie if, Hall? Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, well, I just Annie like the, Hall. the intro. Yeah. The, yeah. We're going to cut it. The Manhattan intro is great. The Manhattan just the intro is insane. Right. I wish. Yeah. Anyway. But so. I think we could just show any three Woody Allen films. No. Oh, no? Moving forward. Oh, okay. Moving forward. So. Chris would pick, I th I think you would have picked Kids. Oh. But Chris showed me Kids, and that one was like, I mean, you loved the movie Kids. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Midnight Cowboy. Okay. <laughs> Just no setup. That's what Chris would have done. All right, so, so far we've got Midnight Cowboy, Kids, and Jeff said the entire filmography the of Woody Allen. The entire filmography of Woody Allen. Really no. anything by That him. is a joke. Um. This is really hard. What did you guys choose? You did, uh, Midnight Cowboy, what did you say? Kids. Kids. Two great ones. Uh, what was I? I had one. Oh, well, oh, God dang it. It's just hard. Gosh. So New York. So I know. Like Brooklyn, I'm, I'm going through Manhattan, that. Like um, a 90-minute video. Does it have to relate to their two films? It should. It should. It's just, okay, so you have Midnight. Best. Okay, kids. Although the, maybe you need something more modern. The theme can just be New York, too. Like, What's that? Ants. No. <laughs> Woody Allen did the voice to that. God dang it. <laughs> no, I was just... What's the one? Bugs? Bugs came out at the same time. But that did take <laughs> place in New York. Bugs. Well, Ants came out at the same time as Bug. Yeah, as a Bug's life. As yeah. a Bug's life. I'm going to go with the Bug's life. <laughs> <laughs> there wasn't there a character in um the Flavor Flav? Her she her name was New York. Yeah, oh yeah, New York. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So maybe it's um, no, 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 Flavor no, no, Flav. no, no, no. I'm I, I. You know what it is? I'll be honest. I'm trying to come up with something obscure and cool, and all I can do is come up with really good movies that anyone would do. Um, I, I'm really digging deep for some. Hey, you, you, you know, can go deep taxi cut. driver if you want. What's you know, that? You, you can go taxi driver. Oh, right. You of course. You're not even thinking that one, actually. You said The Amazing Spider-Man 2. Ooh. Yeah, Amazing Spider-Man 2. Amazing <laughs> Spider-Man 2. The Amazing Spider-Man 2. That's what I'm going with. Really no. Okay. Movie. You know what I'm going to go with? I found it. I found uh, it. I can't remember the, the title show. of it. We're four minutes later. Okay. You're on research. <laughs> okay. It's, yes. um, it's a silent 
film. <laughs> you found something nice made in the eighties. Um, you're making this it, up, and it's it's a black director, and it's based on the kid. Um, oh, what's the name of it? It's uh, it's this awesome film, but um, it's like basically a silent film because I really love like silent comedies and like Chaplin and stuff. Um, it's called Sidewalk Stories. I think is that what it is. Try sidewalk <laughs> stories. Oh, look. Oh, he's not that quick. Goes you quick, quick sidewalk <laughs> stories. What does it say? What does it say? Um, comedy, black and white, 1989. This looks right. Yep. Yeah, 1989 American low budget, nearly silent movie. That's wait, it. Wait, sidewalk where, stories. Where is it set? In New York. We. Um, let's look on Wikipedia. It's the most set in New York. Trust me, thing. it's like downtown New York. It's gonna be. Awesome. Yeah, it or doesn't. It doesn't tell us, so we can just take your word for Great. it. It says reminiscent of. The kid. The kid. So it takes go. place in New York. This isn't their best triple feature. The viewers at home can guy. Google it. Viewers at home, if they don't believe me, Google it. Leave it in the comments. Like and subscribe. What's your guys' code? Do you have a code for like Casper mattresses or something? Do you have any discount Lisa. codes? Me undies? Do you do you call them Squarespace viewers when it's a podcast? My pillow. Listeners. What's that? Yeah, you don't call them viewers if it's a podcast. Listeners, listeners of the pod. Yeah, listeners. Do you want to share what your triple feature was? You oh, had a great yeah, one. No, we, we were going through it and I said. Because we were um, trying to pick what you think what you guys would pick. Yeah, well, well, I said it was funny because I said the very first one I said was Home Alone 2 when I was like, what do we think they're going to pick? Home Alone 2. I, I said that. Know. I said that. Yeah, that I said that as a joke. that you said. Yes. Um, yeah, I said if we did kids' movies, it would be Home Alone 2, Night at the Museum. And Elf. And Elf. But now that you oh. said silent, I want to change it to Little, Little Fugitive. Fugitive. Little Fugitive! That movie yes! I changed it. Oh, my God. It's all. change it. That movie is amazing. Oh, I love that film. Oh, it's so Dude, good. Dude, Little Fugitive. It's a tie between those two. What about Little? They're what about Escape similar. from New York? That one would be good. I've never seen Escape from New York. Saying that, I little was like, fugitive. It's not Little Fugitive because yeah. that's right. not a black director, but it is yes. a woman director. It's a woman director. Um, she's a photographer. What's her name? Um, um Orman. C uh, or it's with an O. And what's the name quickly of uh, Sidewalk Stories? <laughs> What's the, direct, no, the director's name? The director's uh, name. Okay, well, Little Fugitive is Ruth Orkin. Ruth Orkin. See, I said Orkin. There we go. And when they're going back, director is Charles oh. Lane. Charles Lane. There yes. you go. I'm Look, fast with this, man. You know, there's a quote from Truffaut, and he said, without Little Fugitive, the, the new wave wouldn't have existed. Kubrick said the same thing. Kubrick, because um, they invented basically the Steadicam the, oh, right. to make that film. That was the first film ever yes. done with handheld camera like that where they moved with okay, it. Okay, and that's what they and did then, in Breathless. Yeah, and Truffaut took the... 500 blows, yeah. Yeah, and then Kubrick also took their camera rig for his movies. No, really? Yeah, I didn't so know that. that was what kicked off using the, like... Little Fugitive. Yeah. Really? Little Fugitive. Little influential. And a lot of people don't know about it, and I'm it's, like, you wouldn't have any fucking movie you have today. <laughs> yes. Oh, we could cuss on this thing. Oh, I've been yeah. cut. I've been not been oh, cussing no, this don't entire do it, Jeff. fucking time, oh, and it. you've been dropping the f bomb. I stopped myself from saying fucking shit. And, and, and asked us not to swear today. I. You know what? I. I was. I was cringing every time I. I cussed in the movie today. I got to stop cussing more. In the, in our, uh, in our uh, movies. The, the bleeps are disappointing. I think we should do a a non a non bleeped version. Would be yeah, great. I should do that. If we ever start a Patreon, yes. wait, that's where we do that the You guys unpleased. are saying the opposite. They want you to cuss yes. more and openly. More, more they want great. You are saying you want to stop yes. cussing altogether. Can I say something really quick about yeah. cuss words? Yeah. Here's ahead. the thing. Don't here's make the, him look something up. Here's the th No. Here's the thing with cuss words. Okay? So people say like, oh, um, you know, if, if people who cuss who have a small vocabulary. First off, I think I read some study somewhere that people with that use cuss words I have like a higher IQ or something. I swear to God, I read something like that. Okay. Google it. What does Cut it say? No, I'm just joking. <laughs> but real quick, real quick. No, they said something. They said something. Okay. What's that? Thank you. But but for for me, the thing about cuss words is that it's a visceral feeling. Like I feel like you can search for the right word, which is great in certain things, but it's just, it's like a, you know, like fuck. Feel, that didn't feel good, but it feels good to say like fuck shit you feel it in your body and so that's why i use yeah. it well sciencealert.com says that swearing is actually a sign of more intelligence thank you so thank I don't know you see it's a dot com so we don't and i i'm getting a mr beast ad on here so i'm not sure how okay how good Jeff this is, what who mr. Beast is i don't know who the 
Fuck Mr. Oh, Beast. YouTubers. Oh, it's I one time tried. Oh, no, I know who that I, is. I referenced him to you. And you no, 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 know. no. I do know who that yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. Tell me about one of one video of Mr. Beast. He's made. the one. Didn't he? Do, isn't he doing? Don't did, ask. Just he, tell me. He did the um, Squid Games thing, right? Yes, he did. Because you told Basically, me about that. Exactly. Say, like, I told him about this. Give yeah. someone ten thousand dollars. I walked into a Walmart and gave someone ten thousand dollars. That's what all his videos are. Right. No, but yeah, now there's like a whole genre of people giving away money. I would like to say a lot of hiding. Can I oh, this circles? Uh, he does a lot. Of, he likes circles. I don't, I haven't seen his videos. I don't know. I, I I from what you said, they're like really funny and good and all that stuff. Oh, I don't but know. If is, I said that. <laughs> there's a genre. <laughs> I don't want to go on that. Like I, he's he's very great at what he does. Right. Uh, okay. I don't know. If, yeah. Whatever. Moving but there, on. There's a whole genre. If he's on listening. Like, what's that? If he's matter. listening, just keep no. going. There's a whole genre of um like YouTube and and like Instagram videos of like people being like, we're gonna go. Give some money to a lucky homeless person. Oh, I hate those videos. And it's like, first off, so go fuck yourself. But but there's a lot of people that do that. Like, we're gonna give money to someone who needs it. It's like, it's a you're just doing it for the views. But b it's also it's like what I'm very interested in. What we want to like eventually, you know, make a TV show or just videos about is like, the, you know, like income inequality and like the sort of like systematic way that like capitalism has made wealth go up to the one percent while everyone else is sort of fighting for crumbs you don't just solve it by like we're gonna give a homeless guy a haircut and like let him order anything he wants on amazon it's like well it's the same it's, thing it's that like changing a, the whole yeah it's the same thing that like american idol does when like somebody goes on and they like have these prepared sequences and they're like oh and by the way yeah. like by the way, before they sing, let's show. Let me show you right. a slow motion sequence of them yeah, yeah. and their dog that can't read. And exactly. Like how sad it is. It's so sad that and dogs can't read. As opposed to like what we hope to do, which is like empowering people to tell their own stories. Like right. Or we'll also or just like support whatever. And the, not, the structure. not using them for for gain either, because yeah. it's right. It's all. It's also in their interest. To well, make or it's videos. like it's like it's like raise the minimum wage nationally. You know what I'm saying? Like, which is one small stupid little. But it's like don't just like if you hand out ten bucks to some guy, it's like great. Anyways, that, that can be the impact that you guys can have. What's that? Is to raise the minimum wage. That'd be that'd be a good one. Yeah. That'd be a great. That would that would make a difference. So either there you go. yeah, either that or or more swearing. More swearing, as I was gonna say, <laughs> is normalize swearing. Or get Amazing Spider-Man two back in the theaters. Yeah, please. Uh, thank you. This is great. This is this is awesome. awesome. Uh, thank you guys for being on, and everyone listening. Your all three parts are on YouTube, right? Yeah. Yep. So we'll link that in the show notes, and yeah. everyone should go check it out. Sit down with some popcorn and yeah. watch all three. Cool. cool. Thank you guys so much for that was fun. Whoa! Oh my I just gosh. got transitioned back into the future. Wow! Whoa! I can't believe it. Um, <laughs> we could just do it like that. Uh, we're back. That was um. I hope you guys enjoyed that interview. I think that was it was a really fun interview. They're really funny, like we said at the top, and I think um they make us look really funny, and so that's yeah. always just a major win for me. And a conf- uh, about a f- 24 to 36 hour confidence boost. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think I after this, we both we both felt pretty funny for a while. And then we realized yeah. when we sat down to record <laughs> that we're not funny. Um, but we're not as we're not super funny. We're I would say we are secondhand. We are third hand secondhand comics. Com- third hand comics. Secondhand Look, film critics. Third hand comics and fourth hand food critics. That's yeah, what we decided. Yeah, listen, I didn't That's go to clown school and I do not have, what is it, four, four red noses? Red nose four awards? Red nose yeah. awards. Um, um, I wish I went to clown school. I really? wish I was funny. Anyway, I think it would have been more fun what I'm doing now. <laughs> I mean, I probably would be having a pretty fun time. But let's, before we wrap this episode up, we, let's, let's talk about a movie that we saw. That is again another kind of documentary. Uh, this is more found so footage. So many documentaries. So many documentaries. I can't. Where they're all coming at me so fast. This is Fire of Love, which is actually one of the the bigger films uh, that was coming out of some festivals, and that I think people have been tagging it for. Pretty likely to be nominated for best documentary. I think. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, this is a movie about Katya and Maurice Kraft, who were volcanologists what do you call it volcanologist that's what it is Uh uh-huh wow first try you know what that sounds Um, like it It sounds like someone 
that would be in like a space show. Like, if you didn't know it was a volcano. Oh, like a Vulcanologist? Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know, like some space thing, and it's like, I don't know, and yeah. a show about aliens, and it's like the Vulcanologist, and he, like, comes to the scene. <laughs> like, it could be, like, a space yeah. version of, I don't know, X-Files or something. I mean, X-Files yeah. is aliens, but an actually set in space version of right. X-Files. The Vulcanologist. Sp- an X-Files Maybe spin-off. I should write it. Um, this was really big coming out of Sundance, this screened at Sundance, and it had a lot of talk, a lot of people watching it, um, got a lot of good ratings, and I was excited to be able to see it, um, because I've heard so many good things about it. Like you said, it'll probably be a front runner, I think, for best documentary Mm -hmm. for the Oscars. Like, there aren't a whole lot of other ones that have the same buzz that this one has had this year. Um, it is National Geographic, um, so it'll probably Mm -hmm. come to Disney Plus, uh... Yeah, I I think it's on coming to Disney Plus pretty soon. Yeah, I would guess toward the end of the year, because they'll want to make it kind of accessible to build more buzz before, um, campaign season comes around. Uh, for me, this reminded me of Becoming Cousteau, which was one of my Mm, favorite documentaries of last year. Uh, which was also National Geographic. And I think one thing that and was... And found footage. And yeah. found footage. It's so interesting when they make something like this because the people they're making it about are a volcanologist or um, like a marine biologist like Stowe was, but they're also filmmakers. And so they have all this gorgeous footage that they shot um, for their own sort of explorer movies and it's interesting to see that a lot of their filmmaking was really just a way to expand their own craft um craft uh but they're they're like it so that is in like they were filmmaker volcanologists first and filmmakers second like the filmmaking was a way for them to sort of progress their field um, and right. sort of also tell the world about these things, which is interesting. Sorry, I keep talking, but it's interesting in context with New York's worst landlords because one mm. of the things the crafts talked about in this movie was how they wanted to use their shows and their press tours and their platforms to be able to spread the news about volcanoes and the science they... Spread the news about Jesus. The news about Jesus, the good news. (laughs) Um, But to better prevent disasters from volcanoes um, and make it accessible to a broad population of people. And New York's Worst Landlords feels similar to me in the same way they talked about that in the interview too yeah Yeah. that like at that time they were doing it with this but like it's cool that documentary and the people behind documentaries are so passionate about their subject that i feel like it, it transcends i don't know like other types of filmmaking because it's all about making this information accessible to other people like the story you're telling you want people to learn something from it. It's yeah. not like you just At want least, them like, to experience. At least like informative documentaries. Yeah. Like I think yeah. there's it, these, but these are two ways to make informative documentaries, the New York's worst landlords in this, but they have the same end goal, like you said. Which is just um, very interesting yeah. to me because they're very, very different films. No, yeah. But I feel this like is definitely the heart... more just like visually centered. Like there's just a lot of visual yeah. storytelling. Um, yeah. As well as they have some great, narration by um the crafts i think that they that they have which i i really appreciated that i think that helps tell the story really well their narration we got someone talked about fire of love on the floor maybe we'll have put it in this episode so maybe people yeah already heard it yeah and he brought up an issue that i think we both had as well um that so miranda july is like the the main narrator of this movie She's also a director. Um, me and you and everyone we know is like her main biggest film. Um, and I think that was something that kind of took away some of my enjoyment just because it can get pretty heady. Um, like it, they're obviously trying to tackle some big topics. 
and I think sometimes it can feel like the narration is pushing you too far. Yeah, her in narration. One direction. Her narration, yes, not the crafts. I like that because that feels more authentic. But it feels like it's like they're kind of manipulating the footage into saying something that they want to say rather than then just letting the footage speak for itself, which I think it does. Um, and the narration just like takes away from the visual sometimes. Like I just want to like appreciate what what the what the crafts filmed you know yeah and And i also think like sometimes too much you don't need to be told how to experience something like yeah i think i could probably infer the same things from it by watching it um and maybe like i don't know like i think some of the narration was informative like towards the end obviously well i think in the beginning and the end um because the beginning establishes it and then in the end Obviously, um, the crafts die on their one of their expeditions. Um, spoilers. Spoilers. Um, but spoilers. And I, I thought that it's... that was interesting. But I, I yeah. think not that they died. I, I thought that the narration helped. Well, in that yeah, instance. But I yes. do think, like, when you have all in the middle, the crafts narrating. Like, I don't need to be told these things also by Miranda right, July. Right. I'd rather just have it speak Maurice Kraft itself. loved filming volcanoes. Like, yeah, no shit. I mean, like... <laughs> like it does. It does. That's that's, well, and then it's like, I, I she kept going on and on and on about how he wanted to drop a canoe into the lava and ride down yeah. this steel, which is so badass. But then he said it, and I was like, I would have rather just have had the video of him saying it right. instead of you telling me and then showing him saying it. Like, I didn't need to hear it twice, and it would have been funnier mm. if I had heard it out of his mouth first than out of um, hers. I don't know. That that was my main, like, right. finicky, pick-it-apart type thing. Um, right. It, it, it sometimes can just take you out of it, I think. And the visuals are so cool. And just like the idea is so cool that I would have rather just kind of been transported to the to their time, and that's what the Cousteau documentary did. It was felt very much just like they made a movie out of like a, a lot of footage that he shot, and it really, even though it was directed by someone else, like directed the project, it was almost directed by him too, because it was like just all of his footage and stuff. So I wow, think that's that just such maybe a good documentary. even it even just like raises awareness to the fact that there is someone like behind the scenes kind of crafting it rather than it's just like you're found this found footage like i think that'd be that's a little cooler sometimes but i would still recommend it i think it's really cool yeah um if you can see it in a theater i definitely would recommend it because the visuals are really cool and the uh, even the, the sound, sound is really cool is great because obviously there's just so much of the sound that they wouldn't have been able to get um when they, they're mostly just shooting on film and they're shooting on these these big volcanoes like so you know that the sound isn't real, but it just works so well. And it it almost like I had to remember like, oh, wait, this is like fully like this isn't like a real this is like they added this in, but it feels so natural and really adds to the footage. So I would recommend it. I think it'd be it'd, it'd be cool. I don't know all the other documentaries that are out, but I wouldn't mind seeing it win best documentary. Yeah, I, I'm on not the sure other, what the other, other ones, ones are right now. Um... Right. That is basically the end of the second Lost Weekend episode. Wow. Next episode, we will be talk showcasing the film Sophie Jones and then afterwards talking to the director, Jesse Barr, um, as well as just, again, hearing some on-the-floor stuff, uh, hearing another um, someone from The Girls on the Run. We talked to the owner last episode, but we're going to hear from someone who is part of the organization and takes part in things. And I think that was a cool perspective to share as well um, because it's obviously very different than hearing from the owner. You can kind of hear from the people that are impacted by their program. So yeah, you can find information on Girls on the Run in our show notes and also where to find Four Color Fantasies in Winchester, Virginia and how you can buy some comic books from them. And then you can also check out the New York's Worst Landlord series that we'll link to yeah. the YouTube channel in our show notes as well. So you can definitely go watch 
that, we yeah. will be adding it to Letterboxd. So hopefully, yeah, we we sh- we need to. So then I did find a poster listening... for it. Okay, perfect. We we're we're halfway yeah, so there living on a prayer. We're yes, we said we would put it on Letterboxd so we can all log it. Um, yeah. So if you watch, I have it, to remember what day we log. watched it so I can like put it in my diary on that day. Yes, yes, of course. <laughs> um, uh, finally, also big thanks to to Mubi for for being a big supporter and sponsor of Lost Weekend. Um, yes, they we have love some, they, they, they gave us some cool bags. We love Mubi. You can go also in the show notes if you want to try to try to get a subscription there. There's some cool stuff playing there. I recently actually was like looking through my watch list and I forgot what it was, but there was like a few movies. I was like, man, these are all in there. I should just watch them over there. Um, they have some cool selections, very curated stuff yeah. as opposed to like Netflix where it's just all like spit out onto the homepage. Like, here's everything. Have fun. Um, yes yeah they it's a, a little more of a curated su- selection yeah very niche very like just like it's very I like know, i don't know if you're a it's film like a little person out of the box and you just really want to like feel more like a cinephile or find something cool that people will look at your letterbox and be like man they're a cool <laughs> film person they're a first-hand film critic <laughs> then movie is for you um, oh no, goodness. it's more like if you're interested in like more inaccessible, I- like independent cinema, they do right. a lot of like supporting indie filmmakers and films that wouldn't normally get distribution kind of get put here um, yep. and art house type stuff. It's very cool and international, like you said. So check yep. out movie we are not sponsored last weekend was yeah movie sponsor us yeah sponsor us as well they sponsored last weekend but now we secondhand film needs the movie 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 sponsorship we can't even we can't even talk anymore um well it sounds so much like movie so every time i'm like movie i keep thinking it's either booby or movie (laughs) so it's like (laughs) one of the two it's a mixture, I would like actually. to be sponsored by boobies as well, but you know, <laughs> we take what we can't have it all. You can't have it all. We will take any sponsorship. Yeah, so that episode will come out um, next Thursday. Until then, I don't think I have anything else to say. I don't either. All right. Well, thank you all for listening, and until next time, I'm Noah. And I am Kayla. I thought you're Bilbo Baggins. I am. I am Bilbo Baggins. And we're, we're your second, your hand second hand film, film critic. critic.